Welcome to Financial Talks with Drew Danette. Today, we're going to be talking about your financial journey in investing. And um, I have a couple questions I want to ask you, Ed. How did you start your journey in investing? So... I remember working for the bank. I was 19 years old. My manager actually came up to me and said, I should invest in this company stock plan where every dollar I put in, I end up getting uh, 50 cents matched. So I remember that was like the first time I consciously thought of saving money in a habitual way, something where every two weeks, my money would be taken from my paycheck and invested. And it started off with a small amount. Uh, I'd probably say, you know, anywhere from like 50 bucks. I wasn't making that much money at that time. Uh, But it just started accumulating over time. And I started hitting a minor goals, let's say $1,000 I saved. And then the next one would be, let's say $5,000. And it just made me more motivated to save and save. Uh, how did your journey start? You know, I think honestly, similar to yours, um, before I worked at the bank, I was more of a spender. I probably am a bit of a spender still, but you know, you got to save. Um, that being said, like you said, you know, you, you get onboarded by the bank and they put you through some programs and some training and they mentioned the employee purchase plan. They taught your manager talks to you about it. And I honestly, it's one of the best uh, investments I made because, you know, I started in the bank maybe 10 years ago and 10 years ago, bank stocks were fairly cheap. It was right after, um, you know, right two years after one year after the recession. So, you know, I got into it, I got matched up and that was great. And, you know, for people that don't have that option, there's other options as well, because when I started at the bank, I want to learn more about the different investing options. And I think that, you know, the different investing options um, that I thought about was basically, you know, I sat down with someone in the banking financial service side where Mm -hmm. they basically provide the, you know, investment advice. And I'm like, hey, you know, I don't have much to invest, but I want to learn and look at different investment options. So they sat me down and, you know, went through questions and try to figure out your time horizon, your risk uh, you're like, what type of risks you're comfortable with and, right. um, you know, how much you're willing to invest. And, you know, I just did a small amount. I think it was like a hundred dollars, um, a month, but I split it into like $25 a month in four different funds. Got and, it. You know, I ended up landing on a mutual fund and I was putting a hundred dollars away in four different funds. Didn't really think about it because, you know, I wasn't that, uh, in like a expert in investing and i honestly i I still am not and i wouldn't consider myself an expert investing Mm -hmm. i'm probably more of an expert on the lending side of things in banking but you know that got me started in it awesome uh what what are um you you know like some important tips i found when i was saving was you want to pay yourself first Right. Like, I think that's that hundred dollars where you were saving every month. You're really taking that money and putting it in your pocket and treating it like that phone bill, the Rogers bill. Right. Um, Also, I think like one big thing I I started learning more in investing later later on uh, 
it was you got to set exciting goals right like you it's okay to be ridiculous when you're saving uh saying i want to have a million dollars by 35 and mm -hmm. you know if you achieve it and get four or five million dollars amazing let's say you fall short and you only got a hundred thousand well you're still up Right. So I think that was uh, some small stuff that I learned uh, when, when I was saving and time, right? Time is on your side. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the times like when you invested in your first mutual fund, when did you first withdraw it? I don't, I don't think I would draw it for a while. I think, you know, it was in there after school. I think I would draw, drew it when I was getting wedding uh, married <laughs> to pay for my wedding is when I think I would drew it. Um, wow. You know, you know, How many it, it, years uh, would have that been from when you first started saving to your wedding? Uh, probably six years or something like that. Amazing. Yeah. It, you know, like you said, I think that's what a lot of people need to take away is like when you put money, when you're budgeting and you put, you know, you make a thousand dollars a month, for example, and you just right away take a hundred, two hundred off the table and put it right into an investment. You you no longer budget on the full one thousand. You're budgeting on the eight hundred. So you might not eat out as much. You might not go out as much. You know, you might not do things that you would have done if you had that full one thousand dollar discretionary income, right? So the like by forcing yourself to do savings that fit your lifestyle and fit your expenses, I think, you know, you see great results in the long run. Definitely. Uh, I love how you said that you need to have these realistic uh, amounts, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Where you still live your life. Yeah, you may be uh, slightly downgraded but now you're saving for the long run and it's worth that just a little half step back right mm -hmm. um, i love it i think uh one one big thing with saving too is when you mentioned mutual funds uh the diversification effect i love how diversified mutual funds are etfs that's something mm -hmm. that's very important because uh when you invest in a stock that's not investing. That's speculating. Mm -hmm. We'll get to stock, mm -hmm. but the fact that you're diversifying, I just, I love it. Found mm -hmm. interest, right? That kind of ties into the concept of time. Mm -hmm. uh, the you allow your return to make money on top of the returns and the principal, mm -hmm. and you just keep year after year. It really is uh, one of the wonders of the financial world. So I think that's a a, a big. Uh, big key as well yeah. uh Jude, can you talk to me about some events investments that you uh currently own or have owned in the past uh can you give me one success story and then maybe one story where it didn't work out so well um a success story you know i think you know being invested in my employee stock options and also being invested in uh banks and energy and telecommunications did uh did well for me and honestly the only even energies right now no well, after they're they're not 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 right now not right now but no, you know like i think uh i think here here's the thing like i've never really i might have jumped into the market during times like i might i would i, I jumped in during when weed came out and i jumped out as well but i lost money and i made money during the weed bu bubble 
I, mm-hmm. I also jumped in during COVID, for example, when everything was going down in March during COVID, I went and grabbed a bunch of stocks and then I sold it Smart. maybe two, three months after and I made a, a pretty great return, right? So I, uh, I but you know, that's all, it's all. Can I just, can, can I just say something? Yeah. You, how come you, how come you didn't have the concept of time on your side? We just told our listeners, mm-hmm. time is huge. But uh, you just said you bought in March and you sold three months later. Why did you do that? Yeah, so basically, you know, I saw what happened in the recession back in 2008 when the recession hit all these stocks, like great stocks dropped and they were at a bargain. And, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of uncertainty. And when there's a lot of uncertainty, the, you know, the stocks markets aren't going to perform as well as uh you know when we're in good times when we're in bad times is you know you take a gamble and you buy and i i took a gamble and i bought companies that i feel would still be able to weather the the fiscal damage that the coronavirus is going to have on our uh Uh, economy yeah which company was that just curious for our listeners i actually bought ones that got impacted the most from coronavirus like air canada cineplex um amazing you know certain like and you know i got them and i bought a tim hortons or uh burger king uh the parent company and i bought yeah, i bought some brands. yeah yeah restaurant brands so i bought them all and then you know two they were really low i think they dropped to a third of their value and um i just bought a bunch of them and then i didn't get greedy or anything i just waited until i got to a rate of return that i was like okay you know what like i doubled or whatever um i'm going to take it out now and amazing it it worked out because i think cineplex hasn't been doing well air canada hasn't been doing well but you know end of the day it's like you you need to know where to cut your loss and i think i learned that during the weed fiasco because you know, I, I bought weed stocks and I just stopped watching them. But, you know, that that's not something you do in a high-risk industry. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love it. I, I, I love the fact that you didn't get greedy. Like, if you doubled up your money in three months, or even if you made 50% in three months, mm-hmm. you need to take advantage of that gain mm-hmm. because you earn, on average, in the market 7 to 8%. So that means you've just accumulated roughly, what, yeah. seven years of return? I think, I think it was like 50, I think it was like 45% or 50%. It wasn't double, like, I'm pretty sure it was 45, 50. I'm like, you know what? I made my money. I'm wearing boogie yep. out of here. So, I I love it. So you had you you knew when to exit. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love and, it. No, that's great. Yeah, and I think you know um, both of us got into the weed area too, and I think you know that was a great lesson to be learned. And you know, I advise all of our listeners to if they can go and play around if they have some money that they're okay with losing to see how it works um to see the process and just you know kind of build your tolerance because you're going to learn that you know there's these stories that you do hit big right but you know there's times where those big hits can just turn around on you and in, in a single day or in two three days they just unravel right so absolutely no, I love that. Uh, and I actually want to uh, let our listeners know, me and Jude, we both got into weed stocks, right? So same stocks, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> we have two different experiences. So Jude, when he got in, uh, timing makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we try to tell people don't time the market, but if timing is on your side, the way Jude came into the uh, uh, COVID stocks, Cineplex, restaurant brands, Air Canada in March, and he just had great timing, made his money in three months, cashed out, love that. But there was also a time where he didn't have the best timing when he was investing in wheat stocks, lost money versus uh, my experience in it was I got in a little bit earlier, so my timing was better, and uh, and I was able to to make money and have a more uh, positive uh, experience towards that uh, uh, industry. Mm-hmm. So I think timing is huge as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think you know like when new industries like weed or crypt, I got into crypto before too. When these industries come out. There's a lot of people also that will take advantage of that and list new companies and say they're going to do these big, great projects. And there's a splurge in uh, stock prices and a surge in stock prices. But, you know, you, you do need to do your due diligence and make sure those, you know, review the financials and make sure those financials make sense, that they're fundamentally sound when you're making investment options. Yeah, no, that's absolutely um, true. I think that's one thing that's a little bit more on the uh, complex side mm-hmm. when you, you get uh, people to really look at the book, see how much cash they have in hand, what are their revenues, what are their expenses, are they making money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a good management? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of factors that go into buying stocks, it's just not as simple as uh, picking because the price you pay matters. Yeah. Right? Value matters when you buy stocks. So I, uh, you got to be like very particular, um, whether it's stocks, real estate, another asset class, maybe we'll t- uh, a transition just quickly into real estate. I know we had our, our little pod uh, last uh, last episode, but uh, same thing with real estate. You got to make sure you're picky on how much you pay mm-hmm. because the returns that are going to be in your pocket. What do you think about that statement, Jude? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Like, I, you know, I agree completely with you. And, you know, going back to our last podcast, we were talking about like primary residence more than, you know, an investment property. So when you look at an investment property, you also want to make sure you look at like the cash flow that's coming from that investment property as well. Right. So. Absolutely. That's a, a, a way to kind of determine its market. Um, I, th- I forgot what the term is, not market cap, but capitalization. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there is a, a, a formula cap for rate? that. But no, cap yeah. rates. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Thank you for that. Uh, exactly. You, so, no, that's, that's great. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to stocks because I had some of my first experiences saving through mutual funds, which uh, I usually go the 100% stock mm-hmm. route, or if it's an ETF, again, those are stocks. Um, I think there's some things that I've uh, personally learned, and it's that uh, you want to make sure that your the the the, you're you're diversified like we talked about before but also the fact that um uh there's things like 
the news, media, right? We always read these articles. We always kind of uh, uh, listen to the short term mm -hmm. of dogs. And I want to kind of make sure that we're, our listeners know short term doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we're taking a, a long-term view with any investments uh, that we make. And uh, I know that I've made the mistake of uh, buying stocks at a, a higher price than they should have been. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about earlier, the price you pay does matter, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you read news? I was just curious. Do you read day-to-day -day news? Uh, are you, uh, uh, do you make decisions on those news? Like, or are you more of the kind of that long-term investor? Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and news podcasts and business podcasts and whatnot. So that's where I get my general source of uh, news. I do see uh, some news feeds here and there on my phone, but um, I think that's the problem why I don't, the only time I really invest is like in these short spurts with like anytime there's like a sort of new industry or some sort of dip in the, the markets. Whereas, you know, when it comes to investing, it takes so much time for you to like watch the markets, read the news, kind of stay up to date and figure out what you're doing. And that honestly, that's why I invest in like fund vehicles like ETFs or mutual funds is because, you know, I just don't have the time to invest and you know once you get to a certain point where your investment portfolio is quite uh large you can actually get professionals to start investing for you and i believe ed isn't that like your profession absolutely yeah for me i i look to advise clients make sure that they're in the right investments based on the goals that they have mm. um so, and no, definitely. And you know, that's another thing too. Like, I think, you know, what sorry. you said about goals is really important about investing and time horizon and everything like that. Like, you know, I think for our younger listeners, you know, once you start investing, you, you might be in your twenties, early twenties. And you're like, you know what? I want to save money to buy a house. So you don't want to get into aggressive investments. If you're looking at buying a house, you want to like stocks, um, single stocks that you're not diversifying is kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. When I say not diversifying, yep. for example, say you're like, oh my God, Tesla's doing great. Oh my God, Amazon's doing great. And you buy all these companies and they're tech companies, they're in the tech industry and you think you're diversifying, but say the tech industry gets hit by some sort of regulation from the government or something like that. Then you're going to see those great stocks point. go down and maybe that was the year you were planning on buying your home, you know? And that's mm -hmm. going to delay you. Whereas when you, when you invest in like, you know, you figure out your time horizon and say you invest in mutual funds that might have like 50% stocks, 50% bonds. You don't really have to mm -hmm. worry too much as if it was like these individual bonds, because these mutual funds have mul a, a variety of stocks and bonds in them. And if it's not a mutual fund, you can look at an ETF. And if it's not an ETF and you're not too far from, uh, buying your home, you can look at GICs and you know savings accounts and etc. But I think when you're investing, have goals, whether they're short-term goals or long-term goals, and build upon those goals. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think uh, sometimes you have people that shy away from oh, like a savings account because I'm only earning you know 0.5% or 0.2%. But it's not even about the money you're earning. Mm -hmm. It's about that you don't 
you don't have that risk of losing money mm -hmm. and not being able to recover if the markets drop, especially what we saw uh, in, in March. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great point. You need to align your investments with your goals. And I think uh, you want to go out there and find good advice. So don't be afraid to talk to a financial advisor. And me working in the industry, I'll be honest, there is probably like 70, 80% of advisors that are not good. So your job is to go out there and find the 20. Oh man, you're good. killing me. You're scaring me at the same time, buddy. 70 to 80%. Damn. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm throwing out first because you know, just seeing what I see, people are new, working in the bank, learning finances. It is a long-term game. Mm. You are not an expert within two years, five years. Like this is a game that takes a long time, mm. right? With anything that you want to achieve in life. So the reality is, not everyone's experience yeah. right yeah i you know i think it goes back to making sure you do your due diligence like what you're saying is like you know there you need to make sure you know enough knowledge to be able to spot someone that doesn't know what they're saying as well right um i i i like to think that you know the banks do have a certain set of guidelines and rules that we all would have to follow and that'll lead them towards advising you in a certain way and you know, you, your level of service evolves with the amount of, you know, money you have to invest as well. You get more sophisticated, more well-trained, you get career investment advisors um, in roles like yourself, for example, that have been in the roles for quite a long time that are like looking at these industries that are getting reports uh, that, you know, from the bank that are telling you, you know, where we're heading or what we should be looking at. Absolutely. And, and that's right. You, the, the reality is the more money you make uh, or have to invest, the better advice generally you will get. Uh, and, and it's just a, a numbers game at that point. So, no, I, I love it. Um, one thing that uh, I actually want to, to highlight to readers is uh, spend time learning about the financial uh, history because history does repeat itself mm -hmm. and having an understanding of previous recessions, previous downturns, epic economic booms, uh, you know, all this stuff will help you uh, uh, kind of make predictions about where the future is going, you know, based on your current, based on the current like economic conditions, mm -hmm. because you've seen it in the past. Mm. Right. Have you ever uh, read uh, Jude about like any like financial history, whether it's like, oh, let's yeah. say the Enron or um, maybe like what caused the great depression? Oh yeah. Like I think, you know, the being in school during the 2008 recession really shaped what I think of um, investment opportunities, you know, as I, I feel like I'm in a stable job, my wife's in a stable job. Um, if we get to a position like, for example, COVID, it didn't scare me away from the market. I actually, I actually look at it as a type of investment opportunity and it could still be an investment opportunity for people out there to see what type of, uh, um, you know, industries that have been hit. And if you believe you know, these industries should be popping back up or maybe in the 5, 10, 15 years after, 
jumping into it like i think you need to find what the opportunity is and you take the risk and you jump into it and you know make a calculated risk and i think 2008 helped me do that you know like i think uh during 2008 the the automotive industry just got you know slapped and you know during that time no one wanted to invest in the automotive industry or uh mm-hmm. you know but if you did invest in the automotive industry you would have made quite a bit of money when you know 2008 really got to the point where it it really dipped right so i think mm-hmm. you know it's a buying opportunity you learn about buying opportunities but again they are risks right it doesn't mean that these companies won't go out of uh business it just means that you know you're yeah. taking that risk yeah absolutely and i think if you're going to be buying risky companies you want to make sure that you're looking for value in these companies mm-hmm. uh one thing that i do want to uh let our our listeners know is share price is actually irrelevant mm-hmm. okay the number you want to be looking at is market capitalization market cap mm-hmm. what that means is how much is the company worth mm-hmm. you can have uh, uh shares of $100 but because let's say there's only 100 shares outstanding that company is worth 10,000 so versus like let's say a company that's $2 but they have uh 200,000 shares right so the share price is actually irrelevant right you want to be looking at market cap uh when you're looking at stocks jude just curious do you ever look at like uh price like pe ratios price to earnings um is that something that you focus on or like how do you kind of like come about your decisions yeah no i i i i i don't <laughs> the simple answer to that um like i said i'm i'm not a big investor um when it comes to stocks i look at the brands i'm i know and i'm comfortable with and that i feel that i can see in 10 15 years i think i heard warren buffett say that like you know when he invested in coca-cola and everything like that it's like can you see coca-cola here for another 100 years or you know 50 years or 20 years yes i can you know so like yep. let's just you know cost of living or um you know the the basically inflation and all that like the price of coke is going to go up so stocks should be going up in correlation to that price increase and if they get to more markets population growth and all this other stuff like you know coke still a good bet to buy right so No, I love it. You want to take the long-term view of a company. Are they going to be around in 5, 10, and 20 years? Uh is there a company that you see or an industry that there's a lot of growth? Uh I think you need to there's so many like factors if you want to um be successful in investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the key key ones is time, mm-hmm. right? Because be a lot of uh uh money let's say made short term lost short term uh but really it's that long term uh game because that's that's something that's a lot easier i feel to to predict mm-hmm. uh the future but you know it, it's a little bit um it's a lot easier right time compound interest so yeah, no. that's huge if you had um like kind of like just to wrap up if there was maybe like one piece of advice you can give the listeners uh what would it be and i'm going to give my piece of advice as well one piece of advice you know like i i think what we need to all remember is you're an investment as well right like everyone is an investment they can invest in themselves whether it be to 
further uh, some knowledge in the stock industry by taking courses or by going yes. and getting uh, a degree or a trade or anything like that. Whatever you are do to add on to you, to add on to your experience is just going to multiply your income and that multiplier effect is going to go towards savings and that savings also multiplies again. So the, the best thing you could do is investing in yourself and furthering yourself. And that's what I truly believe. Uh, the next thing I believe is like, you know, I'm not an expert in investing. You know, I'm, I'm, I would go to someone and find an expert and talk to them and get the right advice to make sure that I'm investing the right way. You know, I, like I said, I jumped into the stock markets here and there. Um, but th- that was with money I was okay with losing. Right. So, you know, if you're doing what you're, if you're doing what I did, you need to make sure that you're okay with losing that money. I love those pieces of advice. Uh, yeah, my, my, mine's very like similar. I think that there's no such thing as like a right portfolio when you're, you know, building your stocks, bonds, whatever it is. Um, but there is a right one for you. So spend the time talking to, to uh, somebody that knows uh, about investing and uh, your goals and be just upfront with them and uh, you know do your due diligence go out there uh, try to get opinions from other people and over time right you're, you're gonna like you said invest in yourself you're gonna learn about this stuff you're gonna get better and it's a long game it's not something that you're gonna learn in uh, you know two weeks a year uh, this is that lifelong journey mm-hmm. and if you continue chipping away at it uh, you're definitely gonna get more and more knowledgeable uh, and, and hopefully you, those uh, those investment returns will you know, you'll see as well, yeah. right? I think, you know, you have to have a certain passion and interest in investing in stocks if that's what you're planning on doing because you the best way to absorb things is if you're interested in it. And the best thing that you w- w- would retain long-term um, interest in is, you know, if you're passionate about it. If you're not that interested in stocks, and that's what happened to me with weed is like, I, you know, I got to, I got, I was in the hype and then I, I'm like, you know what, there's not much going on or like I'm, I'm, I lost interest in it. So I'm like, you know, I'll park my money here and just let it be. Once you lose that interest, you're not watching, you're not passionate about, you're not reading up on the news. You're not excited about things that are happening in the industry. You pretty much say bye to your money. Right. So. Love it. Love it. No, that's great. Uh, great advice. So thank you for listening to our podcast and, you know, follow us here. I think it was a great podcast. Ed, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I like this uh, this podcast this week about our investing journey. Uh, make sure you subscribe, follow us, uh, follow on Instagram, Edward the Banker. Jude, what's your Instagram tag? Uh, Sacramentos. Amazing. You guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a lot. And this has been Financial Talks with Jude and...